0: Welcome to the party, pals. I'm Phil Gawthorn, action movie screenwriter.
1: And I'm Liam Billingham, movie podcaster.
0: And Together, we host Die Hard on a Blank, a podcast from Sugar23 that explores the influence of Die Hard on action cinema. In each episode, we'll talk about one major action movie that was released after Die Hard. Now, some of these movies take
1: place on a bus. On a boat. Or even a
0: roadhouse. Uh, sure. The point is, these are action movies that couldn't exist without Die Hard, and its DNA is everywhere.
1: Die Hard on a Blank is a celebration of action movies, and a deep dive into the ways that Die Hard shaped the action genre.
0: So if you're a casual fan or an action movie Die Hard... Ooh, very nice. ...then Die Hard on a Blank is for you! Yes, you, personally!
1: Our first two episodes, which are all about the original 1988 masterpiece Die Hard, dropped December 21st, because Die Hard is a Christmas movie, wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, do the line.
0: Now we have a podcast. <laughs> ho, ho, ho.
1: I'm Liam Fragopolis Billingham.
0: I'm... George I'm just George Fragopoulos Oh
1: Jesus Christ This is oof busters Come on <laughs> No I love Gaston guy got a bad <laughs> He's rap. really the hero um, Of that
0: film Here's, here's my, here's my hot take On it. Beauty and the Beast
1: here's, Yeah I mean that beast Is just a beast But Gaston's just like A nice You know the 30th anniversary Of Pratt. that film is probably um,
0: Coming up you might want To start work on that essay
1: um, You know speaking of anniversaries You know who was born 100 years ago this year <gasps> Who? Do you know? I, Toshiro
0: Mifune. No, I know. I knew. I was just trying Who's, to like You didn't hype you, you up.
1: didn't fucking know. Who's one of the two um subjects of season 4, which we're starting with this episode. Season 4 is on the 16 films made in collaboration between Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune. Um George, I have to say this is a nice change of pace <laughs> from
0: our season on Batman. I'm, thoughts. I'm really I'm very much looking forward to watching these films. And, have you seen many of them? You know, it's funny because um, to prep for this episode, I was s- sleeping on my couch, <laughs> and nice, good. And I was napping. It shows. It shows. I was napping and I was thinking to myself, which films have I seen? And and, original, and initially, so of of the uh, Kurosawa Mifune co- collaborations, mm-hmm. I think I've mm-hmm. only actually seen three or four, and I've seen one or two other Kurosawa films.
1: Wow, you've only seen three or four. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So I've seen. Do you know which I've ones? I've seen Rashomon. Uh, which nice. is actually the first Kurosawa film that I ever saw, and I have to actually thank my damn to thank my brother for that too, because I remember he maybe I saw it when I was like twelve or thirteen. So my brother's a couple of years older, so he might have been in a college at that point. Maybe he was taking like a film class, and he was like, "You have to watch this film," and I did.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, makes sense. Watched it sure. on
0: VHS, and I was like, "Wow, this film is fucking." Where'd you get amazing. the VHS? Uh, I forgot what the video store was called. There was a video store that was literally up the block from my house, the house I grew up in. Amazing. So I just wandered in, like I'll take Rashomon, like maybe two ninety nine. I doubt it was even two ninety nine. It's probably even less than that.
1: Yeah, it'd be like a buck. You'd hope. Yeah, right. yeah. Come on.
0: And so, um, what other... the other? Sorry, oh, the ahead, other sorry. Kurosawa film that I saw around the same time that really blew my mind was Ron, which I was...
1: Wow, you saw Ron and Rashomon before Seven Samurai. Yes,
0: yes. So it, those two, fil- those are like my first two Kurosawa films. And then eventually, wow. and then like maybe two or three years later, I saw uh, Seven Samurai again on VHS, and I'm pretty sure if I remember it correctly, like on two VHS tapes, because f- you always forget how long that film is. It really is. Which epic. one? Uh, the Seven Samurai.
1: Yeah, it's three hours it's twenty three I plus. Think. It's, yeah, it's very long. I saw it at IFC Center probably almost ten years ago on like July third
0: for the uh, first time. Like it
1: was like the holiday weekend. No, no. So the first time, actually, the first time I saw it was in high school the history my sister's history teacher was hosting a series on kurosawa at the public library nice and so like i went it was like the first time i'd gone to like what you would describe as like a cinephilic kind of event like god bless libraries in like my small republican town where like the history (laughs) teacher was like i'm gonna we're gonna watch kurosawa movies and talk about them so like i went to see seven samurai and was like blown away and i think like was so anxious about like not knowing what I was talking about, but made a comment about how there was a shot that reminded me of David Private Ryan. He was like, "That's astute, so like I probably was sixteen um so I saw that one and then and then, in my twenties watched Rashomon. I got really obsessed with the um the urban films mm. for lack of a better word, so stray dog uh high and low, which is probably top top movies of all time for me high and low is probably my favorite um and so i've seen a lot of these i haven't seen them all i only saw yojimbo for the first time recently which is kind of insane Yojimbo's amazing i don't, you, I don't think i've seen it's great
0: uh, the se- sanjuro right is the sequel Watch sanjuro is yeah, the sequel w-
1: which we'll be talking about and that's the one um, i think yeah, i
0: haven't seen
1: i think for me there's there there's sort of like every decade of my life i've come back to these movies in some way or some form which is like kind of exciting and i've read um Akira Kurosawa's autobiography, something like an autobiography, which is like a really, someone bought me an an ex-girlfriend's sister, bought me a first edition of that book, of the translation of that book in English, and I have it, and it's, you know, it's really, really good. Um, Let's very briefly, like there's, so there are a lot of things you can read about Kurosawa and Mifune. There's a lot of, there's documentaries, there's films. Um, You can read Kurosawa's biography, which talks about meeting Mifune. But just very quickly, Akira Kurosawa was a Japanese film director. He was born in 1910 in Tokyo. And he grew up with parents that loved foreign films and the cinema. And it shaped his life. There's a lot more to him than that. To share Mifune, I don't know if you know this, George, he was not born in Japan.
0: Uh, I found out about that yesterday while I was reading his Wikipedia page, yes. Born he was born in China, China yeah.
1: to Japanese parents and he didn't step foot in Japan until he was almost 20, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about in terms of the fact that he was like later voted by a magazine the most Japanese man. Huh. Um, they met at Toho Studio where, where like, kurosawa was a rising director and mifune Mafune came to an audition to audition for a new faces program he didn't want to be an actor he wanted to be a cameraman incredible and so yeah. he like at his audition there's like this great story that he was like he did what he was told to do and then he just sat there frustrated because he was like i don't want to fucking impress you judges <laughs> and they were like wow this guy is amazing um uh and a lot of this is detailed in this book called um, The Emperor and the Wolf by Stuart Galbraith IV, which is where a lot of this research is drawn from. They made 16 movies together. Then they stopped working together for complicated reasons. And then I would say after that, their careers went in some weird... Their careers and lives went in some weird directions that we might talk a little bit about later on. Um, later on. But uh, very interesting guys. I would say arguably in some ways responsible for so many of the movies that we love, especially the mm-hmm. movies that have like masculine archetypes in the late twentieth century in them, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. Um which brings us to like why why are you excited to talk about these movies or why do you think we're talking about these guys, George?
0: Well or what is what is exciting well, to you? Well I mean about other than it? the fact that these are some of the greatest movies ever made.
1: Yeah, like let's well that's the thing. We're not gonna be spending a lot of time being like, "Is oh, this is good. <laughs> like we know they're good. Well, they're really I'm good just movies. really
0: interested again to in think about like the dynamic between these two uh, artists and thinking about the, the. I just want to like spend more time with them and think about their relationship and how they work together. And I know this is kind of obviously like a simplistic thing, um but to maybe think about, let's say, the dynamic between like the supposedly like cerebral Kurosawa and like the more like action kind of oriented uh, Mifune. Um, right. And to just think about how, again, like what is it that the actor kind of allows the director to do and vice versa? Because one thing that I remember while watching Rashomon is just being like struck by how like terrifying he is in certain moments in that film. Right. And just remember, and it's been a while since I've seen it and I can't wait to go back and see it. But I remember like really young George being like this kind of like, there's nothing really scary happening on the screen, but this guy is like, Intense and he's intimidating. Right. And what's amazing about Mifune is that, so I've already watched Snow Trail, which we're going to talk about soon, but to think about that there's only, at least when they were released, there's only three years that are separating that movie from Rashomon. And mm. that what Mifune does so incredibly well is that he inhabits the characters that, so basically what I'm trying to say is like, he looks like he's a completely like different person in Rashomon, than he does right. three years prior in Snow Trail. Like, there's like a there's he inhabits like the cynicism and the world weary view of that character in Rashomon in such a way that like every single time he's on the screen, he just he just does like such a great job of like becoming those people.
1: That's really interesting. And the other thing that I would say with that, so as a side note, like one of the things that inspired us to do this was the Big Picture did an episode on around the mifune's is in is in uh as if i recall correctly in april and they did like an hour and a half episode on on him and that's worth listening to because they they get into mifune a lot and that was a big inspiration for this but i think to your point he inhabits these characters but like so the other night i was watching um this is ridiculous but i was watching okay i watched two movies this week i watched air force one starring harrison ford (laughs) right which is not great um Except Gary Oldman kills it in that movie, and I watched uh, Training Day with Denzel Washington, and I feel like what's kind of a ama- what makes people movie stars is like when you watch Harrison Ford play the president in Air Force One, you never forget it's Harrison Ford, but you're also like that's the president of the United States. Same with Denzel Washington in Training Day, is that like he's playing Alonzo Harris, but you're also like. It, you, he never stops being Denzel yeah. Washington, and I think that that's kind of a movie star thing. And I feel like in some ways, Mafune might have been the first one to do that, but also be a remarkably expressive performer. Because like totally, I yeah. love Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart kind of just doing that same world weary, cynical, quiet thing in in basically every movie. Um, John Wayne was John Wayne, but Mafune managed to do like serious, uptight businessman crazy kikuchi and seven samurai but you were still the whole like i watched those movies and I'm like that's toshiro mifune like he never stops being mifune but he still manages to disappear into these movies
0: yeah totally and that's just, again it's and for me it's interesting to to think about at all moments like kurosawa behind the camera and to then kind of think about yeah, I guess just kind of, like, his vision of the world and what it is that he wants to kind of express. I mean, one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember when I watched Ron and then I did some research about it, he, would like, tried to, like, kill himself, right? Like, right before, I think... Yes, he,
1: he tried to... Yeah, like, Kurosawa tried to commit suicide. Yeah,
0: like, I think before he made Ron or, there, or yes. maybe right after. But to just to think about, again, I don't know, just, like, there was such... That information, I remember struck me in such a powerful way of like yeah i mean obviously just because of like the sadness of like thinking about any person right who feels who's driven to that point where they like have to they feel like they have to take their own lives right uh, their own life but also just thinking about again what i don't know just like his his view of the world like he was always always struck me to some degree as like a very humane filmmaker but also somebody who would not shy away from like the darkness. So I know like, for example, like in Rashomon, he was instructed to like change the ending because it was too depressing. Dark. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm just kind of like curious again, again, like return to these films and think about them as, as I mean, in a, in a variety of ways, but also as existential dramas or existential views of the world. And
1: there certainly is that. And I think that like, uh, I'm curious, I think the thing that I'm most interested in that is like trying to figure out why and how kurosawa used mifune to express things that he wanted to say because like they often will say that like an actor is a stand-in for a director and i don't always know if that's true but it's certainly something to talk about um and i do think that kurosawa is interesting because if you read about kurosawa's history a lot of japanese directors contemporaries or people after would say that his work was far too influenced by the west and that his his sort of political opinions were problematic. He had a lot of issues with, he wasn't, he, there were a lot of sort of like, there was a lot of anti-union sentiment in the higher ups at Toho studios where he made several of his films. But the flip side is that he never was particularly anti-union, but he wasn't pro-union. He's kind of an interesting figure in that sense. Like, I think that, a lot of his a lot of Kurosawa's films are about the invi- individual in society and how they function and like I think that has the potential to go a couple different ways but like he's sort of complex politically I can't really speak to politics in Japan but I can sort of speak to what historically he's he's kind of said and and what he's known for and so I'm curious to see how that stuff's reflected in the movies and I think that his films really are largely like they're there are a couple of things. One thing that they definitely are is like hugely influential on Spielberg, on Lucas, Scorsese. on Clint Eastwood, Scorsese, um, because he sort of like made smart, prototypical action, adventure, great movies. But there's also other things going on. There's uh, uh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare remakes. Dostoevsky. There's, there's two yeah. Shakespeare remakes. Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky is the idiot, the, right? The yeah. Um, there is a take on Maxim Gorky that we're going to look at. Uh, bad sleep. Well, is based on Hamlet. There's a lot of really interesting. He also made really contemporary films about post. A lot of his films are about post-war Japan and the chaos of that. You know, one interesting comparison that I saw recently was Stray Dog, uh, Uncut. There's no Uncut Gems without Stray uh, Dog, which I thought was that really really, uh, really interesting. Um, wow, that's
0: really fascinating too. Because I totally also forgot that I, I've seen Throne of Blood and fucking rocks.
1: Yeah, it's real good. So fucking um, good. Oh god, and I, can't wait to I really go back. think high yeah that one and like i can't wait i own high and low on i think dvd or blu-ray like i i remember seeing high and low and being like holy shit i don't know if there's like a zodiac without high and low and i i just think it's remarkably um interesting yeah. so yeah i'm really curious about the um what these films are have to say politically what their political relevance is now like you know the movie characters are as diverse as the films themselves businessmen protagonists peasants that are protagonists, cops, gangsters, kings, all these things. I think there's a lot of interplay between those who have power and those who don't in his movies, certainly in Seven Samurai. Like, have you thought about that stuff at all?
0: I mean, again, so one of the things is that, so this is like new territory for us because again, we're kind of like um, in a historical uh, tradition and a kind of national tradition that is like, totally foreign to us so i'm eager eager to is tricky yeah i'm eager to like learn more about it and to try to like contextualize these films to kind of think about them i mean obviously like in some of the ways that you've talked about them um it is it will be much easier i think to make uh certain kind of uh claims or to kind of like think about like you know like class dynamics for example right um but yeah i mean i'm just kind of interested in thinking about I mean, you know, it, it's not going to, I think, take a lot of imagination to think about, let's say, these films as attempting to reconsider or reconstruct Japanese history and society post World War II. I mean, I think that's like an obvious yes. thing to kind of like take on or to consider. So to think about, let's say, those historical movies like the samurai films or the movies that take us back into the past, and to think about like what might those films be trying to say about contemporary, let's say, post war Japanese society or the post world. Uh, post-war uh, world in, in its entirety um, as uh, so sort of like uh, these are films are like potentially like allegorical in that kind of sense but also just very briefly to speak to something you said that he, like Kurosawa was like the first filmmaker for me that I was like think that I think I might have approached in a serious way as a kind of um, yeah. as an as an avatar for world cinema I think he was me too he was the first one that I, that I was like oh okay like there are People in different national contexts, like, outside of the United States, and they're making these incredibly fucking awesome and complex films. And they have been, obviously, for decades. Um, so, for me, I just... He's an important filmmaker because, he like, he introduced me to that, like, you know, that world.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't think I would have started to, like, watch... Movies. I don't know if I would have like moved to New York and gotten interested in films or, and gotten like gone to study film if it weren't for him. I think that's like a huge component of my identity. And I also think to that point, like, I feel like when you're young and you get exposed to world cinema, and again, the emphasis being on you're young, I don't know if I've ever really considered these films politically or socially before. I've just kind of viewed them as movies and like divorced from a context because my brain didn't work that way. So it'll be interesting to look back at them. But definitely I think like hugely important to like my formative understanding of what movies are and what they what they kind of can be yeah. to some extent if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. And also I just th- think like um like I was thinking a little bit about um the scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when when uh, Indiana Jones gets approached by the um the guy with the sword and the guy does all the weird sword moves <sighs> and then Indiana Jones just blows him away. Right. I just feel like you can draw a line between that and Mifune
0: huh oh like the coolness like just and like that the kind swagger. of style yeah
1: the sardonic, yeah and the kind of like cynicism i mean like star wars for example is a sh- almost a sh- in my mind like a shot for shot remake of the hidden fortress i don't know the last time you watched the hidden fortress you know, but it almost is hard to watch because you're like this is star wars <laughs> like this is star wars <laughs>
0: uh yeah no it's it's definitely um i guess you know homage to be kind the ripoff to be mean
1: i think yeah well i i mean it definitely put it in a new context but yeah i think it's going to be interesting because we're and we'll we'll talk a little bit about the episodes we're going to do in a second but like we're not looking at anything that is in at least we're only looking at one film that's kind of contemporary and i feel like it's going to be interesting to reflect on like like the idea of being able to go like oh for example like the Safdie brothers probably saw Stray Dog, and it influenced, like, mm-hmm. uh, influenced them in making Good Time or, um, um, uh, Uncut Gems. Jesus, how did I forget about literally my favorite movie? <laughs> it's on Netflix um, now too. Should we go through our our the films we're going to cover real quick, just do so it. everybody knows, and we can talk a little bit about some of our guests? Our guests for this season are crazy. We got them all. We got them all. We got. The, they're, they're all, all here, here. all, all your them. faves. Um, Ronald McDonald's, the
0: Hamburglar. Grimace. <laughs> I <don't know>. Grim- <laughs> isn't, chu- isn't Chewbacca really just a grimace?
1: You shut your mouth. The people of Kashuk did not die for you to make a Chewbacca grimace <laughs> joke, okay? Um, so we're going to start the season off with the first collaboration between Toshiro Mifune and Akuru Kurusawa, a movie called Drunken Angel. And our ge- this is crazy. Our guest for that Elvis episode... George, you know who our guest for that episode <gasps> is? No. It is Stuart Galbraith IV, the guy who <laughs> literally wrote the book. The book
0: he wrote the, yeah, he did.
1: On Toshiro Mifune yeah, and Akira Kurosawa called Emperor and the Wolf. He's also in the Last Samurai documentary, Mifune, the Last Samurai, that is on Criterion, and that I plan to check out. Very, very soon. We're going to follow that up with Quiet Duel from 1949, which is the second collaboration between Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mufune. I promise not to say. It, <laughs> the, like, I'm not going to be like the 15th collaboration. Um, we're going to do an, an episode on some early uh, Kurosawa and Mifune, uh, Sanshiro Sugata and Snow Trail, which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Stray Dog, which is the third collaboration between oh, Toshiro God. Mifune and Akira Kurosawa. We're going to talk about Scandal. Uh, We're going to talk about Rashomon with Alyssa Wilkinson, the critic, critic, the critic, the critic. Um, I love that John Lovett's animated
0: show, The Critic.
1: Yeah, but she's not on that. (laughs) She is a critic and professor. She's over at Vox and she's great. She's a great writer, yeah. She picked Rashomon, so we're excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk about no regrets from our for our no regrets for our youth, which is an early Kurosawa film that does not star Mafune, so it's not a collaboration between Toshirô Mifune and Akira Kurosawa. Uh, we're going to talk about the idiot with A.S. Hamra, who's the critic for the Baffler and wrote a really wonderful book called um, "The Earth Dies Streaming," which uh, is full of short and snippy and amazing uh, film reviews. Uh, our old pal Blake Howard. From all the president's minutes is going to join us for the seven samurai which is a great 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 movie and it's an amazing movie, i yeah. feel like blake really likes movies about um masculinity we've talked about this before like men in crisis and i think that that is a good that's a good men in crisis kind of movie don't
0: you no think? doubt yeah of course
1: yeah so that's going to be really really good um Next up, who what's next? What do we have next? Let me open the... There's the tab. Uh we're going to talk about Wedding Ring, which is an early Mifune movie from 1952. We're going to talk about I Live in Fear, which have you seen
0: I, I Live have in not, Fear? I have
1: not, no. Oh, dude. It is it is great. Um I it's a very 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 contemporary. It's I think it watching that movie now, especially cuz that episode comes out 5 days after the election, oh, probably. Gosh. And it's about uh, wanting to leave your country because of fear of, of what's going to happen to it. It's going to be an interesting yeah. movie to watch. I've been feeling that. We're going to follow it up with Throne of Blood. Can't, the, can't wait. The, the Macbeth, the Macbeth uh, adaptation with Isaac Butler, who... Uh, did a podcast for Slate about Shakespeare. That's really interesting. It's called um, "Lend Me Your Ears," and it is a look at Shakespeare and politics and political currents. And he's a—I know Isaac a little bit. He's a cool dude, and he wrote a book um, about Angels in America oh. called "The World Only Spins Forward." Love it. And he co-hosts the Slate Working podcast. So I—I I t- I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, do you want to come to?" And he was like, "Yes, I absolutely want to talk about Throne of Blood." So that's cool um ikiru we're gonna do the lower depths we're gonna do we're gonna talk about the hidden fortress with randy wilkins filmmaker who was recently on our um joker episode joker yeah. episode randy um loves star wars and hidden fortress randy and i talk about star wars a lot and randy didn't like <laughs> last jedi but nobody's perfect um and we're gonna do a bonus episode on star wars yeah why not why wouldn't we talk about star wars uh we're gonna lots talk of, about the bad
0: lots of grimace mm-hmm? and chewbacca talk on that one yeah, like, the hey, taste of, of it. Notice how Chewbacca is just like a grimace. What, what what kind of creature is Grimace, by the way?
1: I'm really glad that we're, you're interrupting my list of the movies. We're I mean, you've only about, been talking for 25 but, minutes. But your, so. your, your riff on Grimace. We're going to do The Bad Sleep Well. We're going to do Yojimbo with my friend Jessica Montoya, who's a camera person and a filmmaker and is great. We're going to talk about Ron, which is not a Mifune movie, but it rules. We're going to talk about Sanjiro, the sequel to Yojimbo. This is very exciting. We're going to talk about maybe my most favoritest movie ever, High and Low or Heaven and Hell, with Bilcei Abiri Mm -hmm. from Vulture. Great critic. Um, We're going to talk about Red Sun. We're going to talk about Red Beard. And we might even talk about Akira Kurosawa's dreams.
0: I'm just amazed at all all of these, like, really, again, these super... I mean, this this is more testament to who you are, Liam, but that um, all these amazing people want to be on our podcast.
1: I know, yeah. I don't know what... uh, (laughs) they're just really great people and they love movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, we should probably like at some point just be like, we're not going to talk. You guys just go at it. We're going to sit I, I swear vision. also to
0: stop asking, I guess after the third or fourth guest we have on, um, if our guests know what kind of creature grimaces. I promise not to keep asking. Be like, so yeah. To the uh, Randy, um, Rand- I have to Randy, You're Randy, you're an Emmy nominated, an Emmy award winning director. You've done amazing work. But, what kind of creature do you think Grimace is?
1: <laughs> Wait, I thought this was about. Welcome to Grimace Gab, the new podcast. Oh my by God! George a
0: zodiac-like procedural where I'm just I have like pictures of Grimace all over my apartment, <laughs> just like staring into his blank, empty. Like
1: I need to look. You like I love the idea that like cut to black, flash forward three years. You like walk into a hardware store, a McDonald's. Just- you
0: idiot! I walk into a McDonald's, is a Grimace there? I'm, like you piece of shit I'm to fucking figure this out if it takes me the rest of my goddamn life
1: he kinda looks like an eggplant sitting at home He's like an eggplant. sitting at home with
0: my wife she's like complaining about the fact that I don't like do the dishes take care of the kids and I'm like honey I think I'm really close there's like there's like a
1: picture of a purple shape on your wall and a question mark next to it and then like a series of like lists of species and stuff like that. My phone is my what? phone is
0: vibrating. She, my wife is like, is that the Hamburglar again? Are you still texting him about?
1: I love the idea that your phone rings late at night and you answer it and you're like, hello, and then you just hear, <laughs> and it's someone eating a hamburger. And you're like, is that you, you
0: motherfucker? Are you eating a Big Mac right now?
1: is grimace grimace can eat hamburger it's like he's not eating himself right <laughs> no he's like
0: well that's what i'm trying to figure out is wait so this is this is a new wrinkle is he like a hamburger come to life no <laughs> no that's that's a mary cheese. Merry well, hamburger. I mean, you know what life. the
1: problem is? Is that all of? I'm going to send this to our guests to listen to, and they're going to be like, "I was really into your show until you talked about grimace for four minutes in the middle of it." Be
0: like, "Oh my god!" Uh, on second thought, actually, I'm not going to be coming onto your our show. Um, it might have yeah, something to do with I, the fact that... For-
1: I thought this was a serious film podcast yeah. that didn't talk about but That Fergopolis guy will not
0: shut the fuck up about, about Grimace. Yeah,
1: it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway... I need to look him in his purple <laughs> eyes. Um, his
0: blank purple It's eyes.
1: going to be a great season. It's going to be really, really good. All Grimace talk aside. I'm excited. Um oh man that was funny uh that's i don't really have anything else to say we're gonna we're gonna dig into this and it's it's gonna be interesting also i know i said it before and not to darken the mood but this is gonna take us into 2021 this season oh yeah so let's hope that there's still a ability to make and talk about ideas then in 2021 we don't fingers cr- but it's gonna be interesting to be looking at these films over the course of the next several months. fingers
0: crossed for a vaccine and social justice. By the time we're done with,
1: oh yeah, no, it's all, it's all, yeah. I mean, season. I think that this is this is really going to push it over the, <laughs> the edge. over the star line. All right, um, well, I think we wrap it up before we hit the thirty minute mark. Look at us, we're doing good. Nailing, Nailing Uh it. I'm Liam.
0: 1000000000 I'm George I And I'm Grimace. <laughs> Son of a Son bitch. bitch. He's here. <laughs> he's,
1: he's been here the, the whole time. The call is coming
0: from inside the room.
1: This was
0: Uber Busters. Yeah. Bye, I'll get you, Grimace. I'll get you, you fucking...